This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian, tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome, welcome, welcome to F1 with DRS. This is Dan Shepard. I'm joined by Matthew, Charlie, and Jethro. God, we had already jumped in, so now we got to reverse. But um, we all love the Beckham doc. Second episode in a row, we're going to talk about it. And um, he's going to be at this Club SI event in Vegas. He's, I don't know what night he's on. We're on Thursday night. He's on race night. Of course he's on of race course. night. He's up against Shaq. I mean, that's, it doesn't get bigger figuratively and literally. Because mm-hmm. Shaq's also a host. But I guess he's Friday. No, they're together. Oh, they're together. They're yeah. together. That's a good personality match. One's pretty loud and outspoken. The other and one's, one's gorgeous. So sweet. And I hope we get DJ Diesel. I hope he throws on a few songs. You do hope that. <laughs> I got to see it in action. His music is wild, too. It's like wild drum and bass. I don't know what his music is. I would prefer, I always say this, he's the very best follow on Instagram there is, other than Snoop Dogg. But yep. the two of them. They're getting close. They're similar now. They're starting, they're starting to merge. To merge. <laughs> yeah. But Shaq is always singing and doing a popular dance. Like if anything that's in the zeitgeist in the hip hop world, he will learn that song and he will do the dance and it's incredible. He's got such a zest. I like when he does the the singing and he doesn't know the words to yeah. like the middle part and yeah. he just mouths it and it's so off, <laughs> yes, so obvious, yes. but he just rolls with it. That's his MO. He's like, I'm going to give you 85%, but I'm so good that 85 is going to make perfect. me the best center of all time. Mm-hmm. What a charm. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so Beckham's buddy in the dock wore, wears a Burberry hoodie, which I then became obsessed with and got one. It was the most expensive thing I've ever bought for myself, clothing-wise, I think. It was within, you had it ordered and en route with a, within about 60 seconds. Yeah, before the, the episode was over. But what, what we're hoping is that if we're, we all roll up in Burberry hoodies, he'll go, oh, Oh, my friends wear. That's what my friends wear. My his, friends are here. Yes, because his buddy wore one. Or he'll run away in, in the opposite <laughs> yeah, direction. Like, this is weird. He's <laughs> like, oh, that. What's going on? Terrified or in love. It's it, He won't be impartial. Is there a vibe, Jethro, in England if you were? It's so English. I wonder if it has a different meaning there. Well, it's changed. When when I was a kid, so when I was a teenager, like my dad would think a Burberry trench coat was like the coolest thing because mm-hmm. he used to go to London and commute on the train and that would be like something that business dudes would wear. And I wouldn't know about that. But then I guess when I was between 14 and 16, it became much more of a like street brand as well so Uh the burberry shirt was one of the ultimate status symbols you could have as a 16 year old you know 
But I was going to say, most of them were covered in blood on a Saturday night because it was also the football hooligans uniform of choice, basically. <laughs> I thought you were being funny that the hooligans really wore Burberry. No. They, were, they wore uh, Burberry, Stone Island. So the hooligans used to identify each other. If you were wearing a football shirt, you weren't a football hooligan. So if you went to a Man United match in a Man United shirt, fine, you know, Chelsea, whoever. But if you were in Stone Island, Burberry, Ralph Lauren, Polo, those were the boys who were up for a fight. <laughs> Mixed messages, like preppy, yeah. preppy hooligans. Yeah, just the way it was, always. I think I've said it on here before, but I only have, I have three people I would just never would fight. It was like a hard, fast rule. You just pass on the fight. One is a redhead. You just do ne never fight. I don't care if the redhead is 115 pounds. Don't do it because the redhead will start crying mid-fight and then find a gear that yeah. you've never witnessed in real life. Yeah, so much inner rage. I saw it like a dozen times growing up. And then second is like at a bar, the, the married guy at the corner of the bar by himself. You see that wedding ring? You don't want to fight him because you're fighting his kids, his wife, his boss. <laughs> There's too much on the table for that guy. Just pass him over. And then lastly, if you get into it at an intersection with somebody and they take their shirt off as they're getting out of their car, but not in a um, flexing manner, not in a I'm going to show off my body, in a I don't want to ruin yet another shirt manner, that's you want to get back in your car and speed away as fast as possible. As someone who's ruined so many shirts in battle that they've learned to take it off first. So did the hooligans... Remove the Burberry or did they just swing with it? I bet it was probably even cooler with blood on it. I think they just went with it, yeah. I think yeah. they went with it. I mean, it. I, I was not a football hooligan, nor did I go to many football matches in that era. My old house, though, looked over a park um, near a, a local football club, and there was a pub just opposite our house called the White Elephant. And on a Saturday morning, it was not unusual to see 30 or 40 guys roll out from their <laughs> oppo opposing teams <laughs> launching glasses across the park chasing away fans it was it was quite an occurrence and they did love the burberry but i as a 16 year old always wanted a burberry shirt but i think they were like 85 pounds which in 1993 or something seemed like a lot of money for one shirt yeah that would have been about 400 bucks i guess for a t-shirt yeah for a t yeah it was a, it was a lot of dough but i um i admire you for wearing it it looks nice thank you, you. you're are you going for hooligan or gentleman? Let's see where the day takes us. You know, that's what I think is part of my charm. Both are on the table. I may hug you and talk about trauma and I may throw down with you. We don't know. You tell me where I, we're taking this. Did you see the fight in the stands at the Mexican GP? Yeah. No. Mexico City GP. There was, there was a fight in the stands. Two Ferrari fans got jumped by a Perez fan. And the Perez fan has now a lifetime ban from the track. Oh, wow. Wow, yeah. wow, wow. First time I've seen... A fight at a racetrack of Formula One, I think. I know. Do you think the Travousi are boarding flights right now to oh Mexico City to defend <laughs> oh, yeah. the fallen Ferrari boy? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Well, it seems like two cultures that would clash because they, I think they have the best food in the world, both oh, countries. You like, think it was like a culinary. Italian food and Mexican food are like my Fuck favorite. So maybe it was all about food. You fucking pasta eating son of a bitch. <laughs> You're going to be bathed in marinara when you're done. Mm. 
Did you watch all the fest? Oh, that one really got Jethro for some reason. <laughs> Did you watch all the festivities, Jethro? I watched the full race and qualifying. I watched a bit of practice, but not too much. But it was um, the weirdest qualifying I've ever seen, followed by not the most exciting race, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was actually pretty cool. I think the weirdest practices, too, because the practices were going, I was like, this can't be right. Well, all I was thinking in practice, as I'm sure the three of you were, is like, is this a fluke that Danny, like Danny yeah. would be in second, he'd be in third. And the Williams too. And I was like, please don't let this be a fluke. Like, is it going to hold? And then through P1 it held, through P2 it held, and then quality fucking, by God, he was, I mean, to see him qualify fourth was, that was probably my favorite moment of the whole season. Did you see his in-car radio afterwards when they tell him it's P4? No. <laughs> he, there's just emotion coming out. It's like uncontrollable. He's not like shouting and celebrating. He's just sort of, this sort of laughter is coming out of his insides that he can't stop. It's yeah. really weird. It's like he can't quite talk. He's just yeah. sort of giggling like a kid almost. And you wouldn't have wanted to fight Danny because he pulled the shirts off move. He said in a post-race interview, they're like, do you feel like you want to cry? Like, are you emotional? Are you feel like adrenaline? He's like... I, I just want to rip my shirt off. Oh, wow. And I was like, hell yeah, Danny. Just rip that shirt <laughs> Let off. Let it fly. So good. Yeah. It's like he got a little wand over his head on the way to the track. And I was like, we're just going to let you tap into that thing you ha you've always had. It was awesome. It was a great reminder, like, to see when he's fast, what it looks like. What timing as well. I mm. mean, if he does this for the next two or three races, and he's not going to be qualifying fourth, but if he consistently performs at a high level, I just can't see how he's not in that car next year. I just can't see it. They have to make the switch. Okay, and again, because I always forget to do this, but let's just remind everyone at the finishing order of the race, if you did not see it, Max won, followed by Lewis for another second time in second place. Oh, but one was An actual one. I yeah. still count it. Yep. Uh, Leclerc, third? Yep. Is that what yep. happened? Yep. Yeah, yep. Leclerc, third. Uh, skip down to Danny. Danny, sixth. Yep. So he finished the race sixth. What's crazy is that he's what he's had. He had one race. Who knows what happened? It wasn't very good. Then he crashed. Then he's had one race back. And now so he's really that was his third race, even though he's entered four. And he almost tied Yuki. Or no, he is tied now. I think he's down two. Oh, because he got six. Yeah. Six and Yuki has But he brought points. the team up by three spots. They were last. And now they're eighth. Yeah, that was like a $20 million or $30 million yeah. dollar weekend yeah. for Unbelievable. Danny. Like, talk about bringing him in and the guy pays for his salary yeah. immediately oh times God. three or ten or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's really wild that it had that effect. But, he, like, yeah, there was – it almost looked like he was going to be tied for the year with Yuki having raced only three of the 22. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's that weird magic Danny has. And – I got to talk to somebody this week. I didn't tell you guys about it. So <clears throat> I want to play something for you guys because I'm going to have a lot of info that makes no sense that I would have unless I show you guys something. Okay. <laughs> um, let me just. Charlie, are you naked under there? No, I got some shorts on. <laughs> what this lets us know is that were we not recording at Spotify where we're in a public place, this is what we would be enjoying. If we stayed yeah. in the attic, this is what we'll have. I mean, I got out of the shower. It's cold. It was 50 degrees here this morning. Threw on my robe and I thought, I don't think I can get out of it. So, so why would you? So why would I? You drove over in the robe. Yeah. Okay. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that was my reaction. <laughs> okay. Now this, this first thing I want to play, we have long thought that Max was sometimes hung over on Sundays. Mm. That's been our suspicion, right? Yeah. We, we see as, as, as a four gentlemen who have knocked a few back. 
He's looked a little ragged on some And Sundays. our conclusion is that's why he does so well, because everyone knows it, and he's going to prove mm-hmm. that he can race hungover. So when everyone's like, you should probably call it on Saturday mm-hmm. night, you should probably go home and get some sleep. Yeah. He's yeah. got something to prove. So I feel like I've got really definitive proof that that's the program. And, and so I raced... In 1989, what? No, in the June. Wait, on. what? He's just a good guy, and he's a fun guy, and he's old school as well. And uh, you know, he won the championship in Qatar. And yeah, I said, okay, let's let's get the whole team together. We'll just have a couple of drinks. It's not every day you win a world championship, and it was unusual to win it on a Saturday. Right. Yeah. Um, and we got a Grand Prix, by the way, in 42 degrees on Sunday, so everybody <laughs> needs to be in bed at a sensible time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Max is five gin and tonics in, and it's like. <laughs> Guys, we need to stop that. Right? Everybody needs to go to bed now. So everybody was, uh, you know, hanging on 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 Sunday. You know, we got all the drivers passing out with the heat. I think Max was on some kind of detox. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> wow! Like I don't know what to say. Where do we start? Where, Where do, do we start? start? First, so Christian Horner. Horner was in the attic. I didn't tell you guys. Last minute popped up on Wednesday. He's in town, so I. I interviewed him. That'll come out on Saturday, the full-length interview. I wanted to, to confirm our suspicions that Max goes hard, sometimes a uh, night before a race. He had to be shut down at five gin and tonics. Mm-hmm. And again, our theory that he does better in that state of mind was proven because he was the least affected by the guitar mm-hmm. heat. Yeah, they, they were peeling other people out of the car. But yeah, I guess he had extra fluids on board to sweat out, so maybe he was okay. <laughs> How great is that? What a monster. What a monster. And I wonder how long he can do that for, forever? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. If he's having five gin and tonics and being fine, though, that to him is me having one drink the night before and being like, okay, this could be. Well, let's be clear, know. though. He didn't have five gin and tonics and was fine. He did five gin and tonics and was exceptional. Yeah. And was better yeah. than everyone else uh, mm-hmm. afterwards. He's yep. the only one that wasn't dead. Yep. In a hard race. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just incredible. I feel great having talked about the exact same thing. We get confirmation. I love that. Yo, me too. Yeah. Me too. Um, Okay. So obviously I got a chance to talk a lot about Danny with him. And um, you guys will love the interview because he really goes stuff I did not know at all. He walks through the entire contract negotiation while he was still on Red Bull. What happened? what he was offered, when he left, what a surprise that was, and then how he ended up coming back. And the way Christian talks about Danny, he's like, in a nutshell, we brought him in with very low expectations. And in his first season with us, he beat Vettel and got four podiums and just crushed Vettel, who Mm -hmm. was the four-time champion at that moment. He's like, you know... He he has an he, and he was saying he has a soft touch and kind of an elegance that was yeah. undeniable. And so to have had that conversation with him, and then two days later to see it kind see of it. Oh, come back wow. was really really yeah. exceptional. The only time I was telling you that you have to be so pumped to know that you're not going to win P10. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I will say though, selfishly, when he got down to six, at some point I was like, well, I guess if he goes down, <laughs> I was really hoping for fifth for him. I thought that was, that was mm. achievable and that would have been eight points and he would have been tied with Yuki. There are all these number things yeah. I was obsessively wanting for him. Uh, so, but then when it was six, I was like, well, you know, if he goes, yeah. still a point, <laughs> still much better than his teammate. <laughs> so did you think that Christian really had a lot of affection for him still? Because I think that's a big part of it as well. They've they've brought him back for this second 
life. And there were no real signs of life at McLaren. So they did it almost for nostalgia reasons. But now he's delivering, which is fantastic for everyone, I guess. Yeah, I think it's twofold. I think it's that once you think someone is great, it doesn't go away. You might think they're wrestling with something at the moment. But but Christian thought he was a genius and didn't know who was going to be faster here, Max. And he knew he was dealing with Max, who was a complete once-a-generation phenom. So, you know, there was a moment where he fully saw the potential of him. And I don't think that's ever gone away. I think he's just thought of it. And, and so much of what we talked about in the interview was about the mental aspect of this sport and how similar it is to tennis and just he's been there. He was a driver. He knows what that insecurity is like. He knows how much it affects what you can do. And I think he believes in himself and he believes that if he can support Danny, Danny has that talent. And I think Danny's just so fucking likable and they had a great yeah. friendship and and he understood. His, his explanation is that Danny was just ill-advised in that moment and he doesn't fault him for it. Was there much Toto Christian chat yeah, in your interview? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Because I would, I would love to have seen you break out some Did Toto. Did you give him the Toto impression? <laughs> oh, I didn't. I oh, should have. No. I should have. <laughs> I got to say, this is, and it's consistent with our performance down in Miami the first time we went to interview yeah. people. I am so out of my league with these people. I, I, I found my, I listened back to this interview and I'm like, I sound like I, this is my first time interview. I'm so <laughs> excited to be talking to him. And I'm just laughing. <laughs> like I'm so, <laughs> it's so outside of my world that I'm like, I'm such a fanboy. It's embarrassing what a fanboy I am when I'm sitting there talking to him. <laughs> so it's like all this stuff I probably would have normally done with a, you know, right. a huge movie star. I just was like, you know, lapping up Christians every sentence. Oh, I love that. <laughs> what was your impression of him? What What do you think? Because he's like, he's quite divisive, isn't he? There's people who watch Drive to Survive and absolutely hate him. And then he's on Scott. He's all over the F1 coverage and people get upset. But he's, I think he's a fascinating dude. He is. In interviewing him, I had to learn his whole story. And it's, it's a really compelling story. And the guy is, you know, he took this team. He, he started this team, Arden, with no money so he could race for himself. And yeah. um, within a couple of years in Formula 3000, I think it was, uh, he won three championships with no money. He bought a used trailer off of Helmut Marco. That's when he first met him. Yeah. Uh, mm. So this, forget him as a driver or a personality on the thing. It's just someone who can run a team. Yeah. He did it with no money. Then he's come here and he's done, you know, he's won six constructors championships at Red Bull. I don't know. I think the talent for me just would override anything else. I'm just pretty in awe of anyone that can lead a team, especially in the, the eight years of getting beat by Mercedes and to not lose the optimism or the morale is, is so impressive. And he's just lovely. He's so, he's totally fun to hang out with. And he was young, wasn't he? When he got the gig you know he was incredibly young to become team principal basically and, and he's then, the youngest of all time yeah yeah and he's just throughout all the pressures there was never any question about him from what i remember it no one was questioning when they weren't winning is christian gonna stay he's just been the constant no, no whisperings at all about him going so they must think he's fantastic there yeah I'll play you one other clip because I didn't know this this had happened. Probably Jethro, you already knew this. I didn't know this. But this would fascinate you guys, I think. And so I raced in 1989 in the Junior Karting World Championship. And I raced against Max Verstappen's mom. No. Yeah. No way. Absolutely. Yeah. She, she was, was a champion, right? She at was some top point? 10 in the world at that point. She Incredible. was fantastic. Incredible. That's so cool. And then drivers like Jan Magnussen, Kevin Magnussen's father, and uh -huh. Fissin Keller, and Jano Trulli, and... 
there was some some really competitive guys, Dario Franchitti. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I you know, love so. that you were against Max's mom. Yeah. Did she beat you? Yes, she did. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. How crazy that you're now working with her son. I mean, I must trip you I mean, out. When we right? met when we were 13, I don't think any of us could have, could have predicted that. No, completely unimaginable at that point. Yeah. Like, you know what? I bet in 30 years you'll have this boy. He'll be a phenom and I'm going to yeah. be his boss. <laughs> That's where all this is heading. <laughs> he raced against Max's oh my mom God. in the karting world champion uh -huh. and, and lost uh -huh. <laughs> to her. Oh, cool. It's, it's insane. And I mean, then, no wonder no, Max, Max is so good. Come on. <laughs> I mean, yes, yes. Also, I can't wait for everyone to see this video of you talking to him. The joy. You were just <laughs> saying the joy and the enamoredness on your face is unbelievable. That's all I got out of that video because I was just I looking at the joy. That's probably all anyone will get out of the video. I, I listened to it and I was like, oh, my God, Shepard, what is happening? This is like day one. <laughs> Does this happen with anyone else? Because I, I love it, your reaction. I mean, you've interviewed like Obama, Harry and Meghan, all these people. No. And you're so like on their level. Then you literally interview a mechanic for an F1 team. And you're, yeah, yeah. Like a little fanboy. And I'm like, a, I'm like a guy at a gas station. Like, what? You're like, holy shit, Red Bull. Where's Max? <laughs> I think maybe what it is, is they have, um, they're in a world I have no credited mm. you know yeah and so i'm like i'm i'm intermittently admitting to him i know nothing about the sport and also trying to impress him a lot with mm. my opinions it's yeah. a disaster uh it's <laughs> <laughs> oh, i love it <laughs> these guys are my kryptonite anywho that's great. how crazy it. that uh he raced against max's mom though that's insane and that he's now max's Principle. It's really wild. Yeah. yeah, he tells a story about when he was racing. It was, must have been F3000 or something. And Montoya, he was coming out the pits, I think, at Silverstone. Montoya came past, like, fully lit, sixth gear, sideways on the curb. And he was like, internally, he was like, I can't do that. I'm not going to do this anymore. <laughs> and he stopped racing almost immediately and became, and went to that team ownership thing. Yeah. He told me that story. He like finished the season, but he's like, oh yeah, I can't. I don't have what that man has. And I'm never gonna. I think that's brilliant to, to be able. It's a hard thing to admit if your whole oh, life has mm. been driving towards that goal and then just going, do you know what? I can't do that, but I can do something just as good in the sport and and keep at it i think that's that's mega to have that realization no kidding yeah and had he stayed singularly focused on trying to win a championship as a driver it would have never ever happened and here he's got six championships by yeah and he's probably not becoming principal at that point because no yeah yeah I hope Max's mom is talking shit to him about it, too. Like, just kind of keeps bringing it up, like, subtly. Like, remember when we were 13 <laughs> yeah, yeah. and I beat you? You remember when I spanked you, <laughs> carding? Have you got any world exclusives about the driver lineup for Red Bull in 2024? No, I'm just shocked with how absolutely candidly he speaks about Checo and about Daniel and the contract and stuff. It's just, in, it's really wild how candid they are. Uh, it's just, it's so foreign. That's not how we do it over here with any sports. You, you often see like basketball players here, they find out about themselves being traded through the media. Mm -hmm. Like it's yeah. so behind closed doors and there's all these secret negotiations. And with this effort, it's so out in the open. Yeah. Like if someone's on thin ice, you know about it from the... They don't ever deny it. No. Yeah. I, that feels like the Red Bull culture though, doesn't it? They're they're pretty ruthless. They They just get on with it if, if a decision yeah. needs to be made they make it well i i had always i thought it was the petrol 
culture because F1's the first thing I've seen that was like this. And even when the, the media is asking the drivers questions, they're brutal. They go straight mm-hmm. to the worst thing. But now after the Beckham documentary, I think it's more of an English thing than a petrol thing. Hey. <laughs> uh, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Let's just say it works perfectly with. What was the other team that Beckham was on where they fired all of their coaches? Like they went through 12 coaches. Real Madrid. And like, yeah, yeah, Real Madrid. Yeah. And it was like three months later, new guy. Two months later, <laughs> new guy. Yeah. Yeah, that's the football culture. The manager always cops it pretty quick. But the um, I watched the rest of that Beckham documentary and he got a lot of abuse from LA fans as well. It wasn't mm. just the UK giving him shit, wasn't it? What did they say? Because he didn't, they, they didn't I, think he cared. I mean, he did, but it was just there. No, one, He could have lived his life in LA and no one would have probably yeah. said it. Well, anyone that would have seen him would have, like, whatever opinion they had, they would have been so excited and just yeah. said hi. And, yeah. And, yeah. There, there wouldn't have been death threats. You're probably no. right. But, you know. He got a bit of abuse. His celebrity would have taken over in person. They would have been more excited that he was there than they were pissed that he wasn't performing Mm -hmm. well. I did enjoy when they showed footage of the first match when he got signed by LA Galaxies. And he'd gone from like... Oh, it's uh, so ghetto. He'd gone from Real Madrid, the greatest team of amazing players. (laughs) Then it looks like he's playing down the park with a bunch of drunk dudes on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah, they said some guys were getting like 13 grand and they were were pool cleaners or... Yeah. mechanics they had, they had or day jobs they had day jobs and they're playing on a football field oh. and no one can tell where the lines are for them. they're just spray painted over <laughs> like mismatched green spray paint <laughs> it's come on though is, is mls big now is it is, i mean you've got Messi out there it's, it's it's getting there isn't it we were talking about this last night the lafc that plays here they're supposed to have incredible games and the people are hyped like the there's like the crazy fan section yeah and they, they are the whole going thing with wild the big flags everywhere and the smoke and the chants mm-hmm. and all that but beckham's team the miami team someone i heard someone say that they that thing's worth a billion dollars now so clearly Messi came yeah yeah i mean Messi alone is worth damn near a billion, yeah, a billion dollars. dollars um now back to the race so huh yes a lot of the time with christian was spent talking about checo and how heartbreaking that situation is and uh, and wow, man, what a what a follow up to this terrible run he's on at home. Yeah, uh, this has to be it. It has to be. I mean, <laughs> I, again, the, our early predictions were starting to come true because Stroll was also driving really kind of recklessly. Like it looked like he he mm-hmm. wants to end it <laughs> without having to end it. So, I mean, he just made a crazy move. And then, yeah, I don't, I don't know about Checo's move in turn one. I don't know why you do that. Like you're, you're in fifth, like you're in the fastest car in the grid, just stay in fifth and then start to work through the, the field. Like, why are you doing three wide? And then it was even like Lewis said, oh, he pulled a me in Qatar. He did the exact same move. Yeah. Uh-huh. Cause I guess Max two years ago did that, went from third to first, which he did again. But maybe Checo was getting himself pumped up that he thought he could do that. But you're not going to. Well, you're, it's, you're right in that, uh, or rather Lewis is right. It's identical to Lewis's mm-hmm. mistake, which is like he had the, the whole shot. It was crazy. Checo really had an opportunity to be in second. I just, why did he turn in so dramatically? It was, he clearly was not past Charles. I would say it's almost a unique situation, Mexican Grand Prix, isn't it? The entire crowd are there for him. There were, It seemed like Lewis had quite a lot of support, but nearly, it's like, an event it could be called the Sergio Perez GP you know it's it's unlike any other home fan situation I think I've seen except maybe Max but even that not so Mm -hmm. much and I think if that's around you you've got all this adrenaline from that does he already know that it's his last time driving a car that could win 
at the Mexican Grand Prix. Possibly, he might know already that he's not going to be at Red Bull or have a strong feeling. And if you're that pumped up and you get that start, I can see why you would go for it. But he didn't need to close the steering wheel like that. He could have mm-hmm. driven around the outside and still been in, I would have thought, second at worst. I felt awful for him. I mean, it's something that would be great in a movie, wouldn't it? It's almost like yeah. it's written for a movie. But yeah, not not a good situation. I think he just visualized himself on the podium <laughs> and that he was just going for it. Didn't matter what, he's just going to... And like, he oh. thought the finish line was turn one. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think yeah. in his head, he's like, all these people here this whole weekend is for me. Uh-huh. And yeah, just went for it. Didn't think almost like those were invisible drivers out there. I just have to do my thing and I'll be good. I just think that he is uh, in this state of tilt he's in. He's living like he's starting at 80 percent heart rate and cortisol before the race starts. And I just think he by by turn one, he's like he's blown past the capacity to think rationally. The stakes are just way too high and he's got so much to prove. And I think he starts already tense he's at a 10 when he's starting yeah for sure and there was like just you see the videos after or during the race of like little kids everywhere in the crowd crying falling (laughs) their eyes out we were watching the race and they show him doing an interview during the race because he's out and they immediately flash to a kid crying in the stands. <laughs> just oh, to rub, make it even rub more it in, brutal. Like, You've let down a nation. You've well, let down your team, yourself, and also all these poor kids that are here to see you. I had a long conversation with my friend who's from Mexico City and was at the race. And she was telling me, like, it was the most devastating crowd to be in you've ever imagined. Stay tuned for more F1 with DRS. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. What did you think of Alonso's spin in quali? He looked to me like he spun deliberately to get through. Did, well, did you not think? It was oh, the I, strangest the spin. Yeah, he just, he's leaving the corner and he just gives it a bootful and whips it around. It just, when I was watching, I was like, hmm, now no one else is going to be able to set a time. Mm-hmm. And it, there was no stake, so I don't know why I do that because the car was awful all weekend. But it just didn't look like an Alonso mistake somehow. There were many freaky mistakes it's true the, the track i don't you know it, i just think what's so curious is that the the downforce changing how like what effect that have all over the place the, there were a bunch of different weird incidents where people lost the rear end unpredictably they had clearly had no downforce on the rear which felt much different to them through practice like you said there was albon was up in second in fp3 and there was it was all over the map wasn't it mercedes didn't look great and then it got to quali and in q2 Hamilton's quickest and looking great and Albon's having a nightmare, can't get through. 
And then Ferrari have sort of been nowhere for the whole weekend. And bang, they stick it yeah. on the front row. It's incredible. It, and it just carried on through the race. It was a really bizarre situation. It was. It was so unpredictable. There was some really great stuff, though, throughout the race. And a lot of people look dangerous out there. So clearly, even if Perez had stayed in past turn one, he was going to be a very dangerous driver out yeah. there. Stroll was very dangerous. I don't know where his head's at. Uh, Yuki kind of went crazy yesterday, yeah. which was really fun. Big time. And then Ocon on the radio said, tell Haas, I'm coming for him. Oh, that was yeah. awesome. Basically said, I'm going to pass no matter what. Warn them. Warn them. As if their engineer is going to send a message to the other team. <laughs> hey, just so you know. Ocon's willing to crash <laughs> for this one. So just maybe let him by. And then he waited another 10 laps. I was going to say, he made that big statement. And then yeah. he took him like 20 laps yeah. to actually do the deed, didn't it? It was, <laughs> uh-huh. it was uh, yes, yeah, a bit embarrassing. Yeah, the other one was they got on the radio to warn. Who'd they warn about George? They said, be careful passing Russell. Oh, yeah. We all know George is all or nothing. Yeah. We all know. (laughs) We all know. Gave him a warning. And I thought, that's crazy. It's the first time I've ever heard that, given that I definitely think Perez is scarier and Schumacher was scarier to pass. George is on edge, but he's definitely not the most risky driver to pass. But that, yeah, we haven't heard that very often. You know, if you think about it, the whole race was a blast from the past because Lewis passing Leclerc, was mm-hmm. it? And going onto the grass. That was cool. So 12 years ago, Lewis. That yeah. was awesome. All that dirt and dust and grass everywhere. We haven't everywhere. seen him make a move like that in a long, well, since he was battling Max, I guess. Yeah, I think so. He's been pulling out of a lot of those moves, but he knew he had to go for it, didn't he? And I think the Merck it was fast, but it didn't have a great top speed. So it was difficult to overtake people, but he clearly had a lot of speed in the car. I still love Lewis. I think when he's got the scent of something, like a bit of a chance of a win or a podium, or mm-hmm. he's just a beast. He was a beast. Lando was absolutely out of this world good. He was amazing. Um, and Yuki, actually, he was he was stupid in the end, but he came from, what, 18th on the grid? Yeah. He was, what, one place behind Danny at one point, wasn't he? Like, he actually mm-hmm. did really well. Well, he, he really benefited from the red flag. That's where the yeah. big, his big, somehow he went up about six places in that whole Well, shuffle. but then on the restart, he got sent way back. Yes. He so he, because he started he, on hards, right? I think. I think he just yeah. kind of got off alignment with the other cars and he was stuck in that weird spot where everyone was in a slipstream by him and he was just kind of. Oh, there's nothing more depressing. When they show the onboard footage of like Lando where the entire field is now passing him, he got passed by like (laughs) six cars. Just everyone is, you're just waiting to see the very last car. And he can't fit in anywhere. They're just in that train. Oh, it was brutal. But he overtook everyone like twice, didn't he? At least twice, yeah. 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 Because he sort of, he was stuck in 18th row. Then he overtook everyone. Then there was a red flag. He was in 10th. He went back to 14th or 15th. Then he overtook everyone again up to 5th. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. He was amazing, but he made it hard work for himself. Yeah. Yeah, it was maybe one of the best drives of his career. Yet it didn't really yield great results, but it was, he was just cutting through people. I don't know what the tire situation was. I know uh, Piastri was on older tires, but he just flew by Piastri and then he just gapped him immediately. Like he was just moving. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he killed him over the weekend. It was a shame he had that mess up in qualifying because I think when I looked at the grid and I was like, okay, two Ferraris, Verstappen, Hamilton. If Lando had been up there as well, it f- it feels like the cream just sort of rising to the top, doesn't it? And I think Verstappen, Hamilton, Lando and Leclerc is like the dream for to have up the front fighting each other. And we're getting close to it, but we haven't quite got there yet. 
Well, I will say Christian was very, very clear about the fact, something we all already know. He's like, I would never bring a Lewis into this team. I, I'm, he's not, he's not going to bring someone in to fight Max. He does not. He's, he doesn't feel obligated to save Formula One yeah. and, and bring someone in to fight Max. We'll have to check at the end, but I'm pretty certain Max will have won the constructors by himself and the driver chance. So, yeah, they don't need that. No. And it it's would, only going to make everything worse. Absolutely. So they need a good driver in there, but they don't need the second best driver in there. Yeah. They need someone really good though because if if Merck is sort of on a good curve, Ferrari is getting the hang of qualifying at the very least even if they're still a bit of a mess in the race. McLaren looked fuck like where would Lando have finished if he'd have qualified second or third? He could have really been up there challenging to win. So they need someone within, you know, two tenths, not six, seven, eight tenths or one and a half seconds, as we've seen. So they do need someone bloody quick. Again, I think it's Albon. I think Albon's like the perfect person for that seat. Checo kind of did his part. He took out one of the leading competitors, turn one. He was going for Leclerc. He he, he damaged the front, but that didn't seem to have any impact. He was still driving but, much faster than Sainz the whole race, which is was he? so confusing. But he I, was trying to really get him out of there. Just clear yes, the he field, was. He was. You know, he's trying to do his part. It's like a bodyguard. They spend billions, don't they, on wind tunnels? We hear about how every detail is so important. I hate and that. And then yeah. Leclerc rips half his wig off. And he's going and he's faster. Fine. <laughs> he was faster in the first half of the race than he was in the second when they yeah. put the new front. I hate window. when that happens and it's flapping around and the announcer like all he needs is for that piece to fall off, uh-huh. and it does. And then he's just fine somehow. And we, like you said, we hear about all of these tiny little tweaks and. The aerodynamics of every single piece on that car. Yeah. But yet he's fine without one major component. Max should race uh, Brazil without a nose cone. Just <laughs> absolutely no front arrow and see. But I think that one thing I've noticed that I like learning about when I prepare for a track on racing on F123 is that on most tracks, if that happened, your car's fucked. Like on high speed corners, if you're missing that end plate, you're going way wide in every corner. But some reason on the Mexico track, if you're missing that end plate, you can do it. It's because the slow speed corners, you have to brake harder. You're not, you're, it's more manageable to drive that track without missing. You're it. not relying on downforce as much exactly. to begin with. It's all reduced. Mm-hmm. So I hate the track. Do you? I was going to say, I think that's my least favorite track. Oh, I love, it's my favorite track to drive now. But it's so Mickey Mouse, isn't it? When they're going through the stadium section, they look like they're doing, I don't know, 20 miles an hour. It's so clumsy looking. These big old cars just like slugging along through like even turns four or five in the beginning. It's just so slow. I don't like the track, but I like what happens there. I like mm-hmm. that it's always, it's 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 predictably a mix up and a shuffle, which, which we I got. agree. And it's a car breaker, which is also quite cool because reliability is so strong nowadays. It's almost like an old school race in that, there are a lot of cars right on the edge with cooling, things catching fire, etc. I mean, Magnuson's crash, they reckon, oh was heat-related, don't they? A suspension failure due to heat. Oh, um, it was, oh, it wasn't the previous curve? Yeah, because he had gone off and then kind of just rode it through the dirt, and then the next lap he went off, like it looked like something failed, so... Yeah, something failed, but they were saying it might be a heat-related issue because the brakes are getting so hot and everything else. Like the fact that he walked out of that fine, it looked like that was not going to be fine. Well, let's be honest. He looked very confused when he got (laughs) a little dicey. His wrists were a bit sore. This is not the behavior of someone who's like uh, in the right state of mind. He shook everything out real quick and then kind of like got onto the wall and balled up. 
Yeah, yeah. And he got there very quickly. Like he thought the car was going to blow up or something. It was it was a very interesting reaction. It wasn't the standard yeah. reaction. And no. Me and Jethro were talking live and it was like we were like, where the fuck are the marshals? Like it yeah, seemed like burning. no one was around that car for so long. Yeah. Like what is happening? But yeah, it was like 20 minutes. It's like, is there any medics? I saw the car and it looked like it had folded in half. The first shot was two wheels, front and rear wheels sort of next to each other. And I was like, the car's like broken in half. And I was like, well, whoever's in that's dead or in a real world of pain. It looked so much worse than it was. I had the exact it same really thought. Did. I'm like, oh, fuck, that's a bad one. Front and back is yeah. destroyed. But it really, on the replay, wasn't that bad. No, it's weird. It just, the, the first time you saw it, that very first shot, it was like the whole car had been shortened so much because of the, where the wheels were placed. Right. But I was like, wow, he's going to be hurting. But yeah, the medics turned up, didn't they? What was it, 25 minutes later, I think? Yeah. Like a half <laughs> hour, yeah. <laughs> After they got done crying about Checo, everyone, <laughs> I'm sure everyone's moving a little slower because they were dealing with a lot of yeah, but Sadness. a lot of them just went home after Checo was out. Like, yeah, we're, we're out. Yeah. Well, you talk about like <clears throat> we were just at. We went to a football game last night, and uh, we're talking about how expensive it is to go to the game, and God knows it's even more to go to an F one, and then the the beat down to get to the track, and the whole nine yards, and to think that turn one, everyone there no longer has a reason to be there. Like that's a day. I'm surprised only a couple Travosi got beat up because yeah. that's <laughs> I don't want anything to do. With 130,000 people. Well, they were still chanting his name. Like, even at the end or, like, throughout it, you'd see the crowd and they're chanting. And I was like, all right, I guess good, but you do know yeah. he's been out. Yeah. And they put in that whole weekend. They were there that oh, whole weekend. Yes. Every, even practices were packed. I've never seen practices more packed in the stands. Oh, I'm so sad for them. They deserve a champ. Yeah. I don't know about a champ, but at least someone to finish a race. <laughs> Is it going to be like that for Logan Sargent at Vegas? So you're going to be chanting his name and oh yeah, so, Big so happy. Not, not a chance. No Come one on. there will even know Logan's American. I, I bet <laughs> if well, he wasn't getting chance in Miami, he's not getting chance anywhere. I heard something that Logan Sargent had to be allowed to race after qualifying, because I guess there's a certain time that you have to be within a certain distance from the 107 percent rule normally. And he was under 107 percent in the qualifying. So the FIA had to convene oh. to allow him to even race on Sunday. Oh, wow. So that's they have the same rule as Olympic wrestling. Remember watching yeah. Olympic wrestling, you find out like they will call the match for competency really quickly. They've got some little competency. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Yeah, he was under comp. Oh, I didn't yeah. realize that. Um, well, and he also got um, a huge penalty after this race, right? I I read this morning got two points on his. Yeah, there was license. something two points. Yeah, and he did something bad. Overtaking oh, during a red flag, Yuki. Flag. He, yeah, yeah, Yuki. That's right. Which also with Yuki and Piastri, that incident, it was the most opposite reaction that two people could possibly have. Yuki <laughs> is screaming at the top of his lungs on his radio, and Oscar's like, "Yeah." He hit me, <laughs> I know. and then just keeps going. Like, I and what's love great it. is that that's like the third time they had hit each other. Yeah, that was you the just wildest two laps. Yeah, yeah, like every lap it got a little bit more heated, and then you're just like, oh, here it comes. And then sure enough, <laughs> and even after there was the interviews with both of them, there's one where they're stitched together, and Yuki's asked about it, and Yuki looks livid, oh, and he's still. like, and they asked him about it, and he's like, no comment. <laughs> and then you ask Oscar, and he's like, yeah, well, you know. I'm, 
tapped me a little bit, and then I was in damage. I'd love to see Piastri's heart rate monitor during a race because he yeah. just and I'm the sure he's sitting on about forty four or something, you know, just ticking along. Uh-huh. Well, they measure it, so I wish they could. Like, maybe we need to ask. Like, can we put everyone's heart rate on? Yeah, they do it in MotoGP, which is fascinating. And it's oh, they do. High. It's yeah, gotta be yeah. High. They're at one eighty sometimes. Uh, it's nuts. I would love to see that. I think that would be really interesting because I think in really high pressure situations, you would probably see Max is pretty much on the level. I feel like Oscar's never going to be above about 50, but certain <laughs> dri- you can imagine Yuki is probably on 207 or something <laughs> yeah, for the yeah, entire yeah. race. <laughs> I would have loved to have seen some heart data in Qatar. People probably went from 180 to 45 beats as they were passing out uh-huh. straight away. Who knows what uh, uh, Ocon hit when he was puking in his helmet. (laughs) Okay, so do we have some pulp from the paddock? Yeah, we do. So big competition for yourself and your N.A. beer. We got Lewis Hamilton launching his own N.A. It's Uh a tequila kind of mix. It's a blue agave spirit, El Mave. And he was drinking it the whole weekend. Like every single interview... Just a glass with in his it ice in bath post race. He had a nice oh, glass, yeah. and they even mm. were kind of starting to mock him a little bit. Like, and he's just right. self. I don't know. Good for him. We've got some coming. That that was not news to Charlie because he's was... already ordered a bottle. Oh wow, you did two bottles. Two wow. bottles. Two bottles. That's fantastic. Wow. I got to support him in his his business endeavors. Yeah, he yeah. appreciates he that. it. He absolutely does. Uh, we got like there's rumors now. Like we've talked about sprint changes. Now mm. there are rumors that they are looking into sprint changes. They're talking about a reverse grid for sprint changes okay. um, that like it's actually being talked about. Also being its own standalone championship where each driver I think would win. I don't know. I couldn't find if it was one million for the year or one million per race. The thing I read was they're going to do sprint weekends and they don't count towards the driver or constructor title. And there'll be one headline sponsor per sprint race. And that sponsor will give the race winner a million bucks. Per mm-hmm. race. Per race. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And it, But it's standalone. It does nothing. It's just another. Just to win a million bucks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah. And they were saying different things were like even it, it could be a reverse grid, but uh, just a reverse grid for the top 10. So the top 10, wherever you qualify, like if Max would then be put into 10th place. What a mind fuck that's going to be trying to qualify in 10th, because that would be the goal now, is to yeah. qualify in 10th, to see like... <laughs> Which would be fun. Why don't they do it based on standings? Yeah. If you're in first place in the standings, you start at 10th or whatever the last place is, because yeah. otherwise that's going to be mm-hmm. either chaos or so boring, because everyone's just... E- sandbagging. Yeah. Sandbagging. Yeah. I'm excited to see this because it's going to grow your love, and I'm interested to see how you fell in love with David Beckham even more after the documentary, but apparently the Sir Lewis documentary is coming out on the 2nd. Of November? Yeah, I saw something that was coming out on Netflix, and when I did my research, Apple TV bought it, so I'm confused on the news that I got, but... I'm just hoping that this does come out because that would be a really great lead-in for the weekend. That would be this, Friday, yeah. Thursday? Yeah. Wow. In for the weekend. We also have Checo's dad was really going – he was saying that Checo will be driving with Max for the next 10 years. Hmm. And he's just <laughs> happy years. that his son gets to race against with the best driver in the world. Which I want to ask – another question has been posed. And do you guys think it's possible for the final race of the year if Max has to – sacrifice himself a little bit to get Checo to win second. 
Do you think it's ever possible that he would do so? No. No, I think we've seen that I it's agree. not. <laughs> I agree, but it's uh, – No. He's, he's, it's not he's, possible. He's, he's – listen, he's trying to set some records that will never be broken. That's what his main mission is right now. Yeah. And this motherfucker is going to win 20 out of 22. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. He – yeah. And he must know Checo's gone. He doesn't need to delay that anymore. He wants someone else in there. Yeah. Yeah. We also have a lot of people are talking about the dummy stop. So I think it was McLaren did a dummy stop this time. And people were asking, like, what's that? Is that even a thing? Can we do it? It's a dummy stop in general is illegal. It's when you fake people coming out that they don't really come out. So usually the FIA will let one time slide because they could say, oh, we were going to and then changed our strategy last minute. But if it happens a second time, you're for sure going to get a penalty, even though no one's really gotten a penalty or done that a second time. They just kind of let the first one kind of slide because you can't really prove that they actually did that. It's like that new rule about um, going too the slow. Distance, yeah. And it's like they always come back and say, oh, well, I was getting out of the way for someone else. And it's like they can't really argue that. This feels like that, too. Like, yeah. how are you going to? Tell yeah. me what my strategy is. We were going to tell him to come in, and then yeah, or we what changed if it. we told him and he, he didn't. He come didn't. In. Yeah. Like they've got a pre-worked out. They say box in a certain way. You know to blow by. You mm-hmm. know it's all you can yeah. get around all of it. I want to end with a, just an interesting Mexico fact that I learned on the broadcast I was watching. Mexico City sinks twelve centimeters every year. Yeah, it's built on a unbelievable, lake. which is fine, assuming it's all sinking at the same rate everywhere yeah. in the city. It's uh, mm-hmm. getting the taco shell effect that would be concerning to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just going to fold up one day. It's just yeah. going to close. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. I also remember, I haven't looked this up in years, but I remember when I was in college, the, the, the most populated city in the world was Mexico City. And back when I was in college, they had 25 million people in that city. Like all of Insane. Canada. All of Canada mm-hmm. in that city. It's wild. This is worth repeating. We both wrote it down, Charlie and I. Uh, in P1, they said that they were going to be hitting about 217 in the race. I don't know if that actually happened, but they they said the the record at uh, that track in Mexico City that Botas was clocked at 231 miles an hour there. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Insane. That's great. It really that tells you how much that downforce is slowing them down. I mean, because that they still got downforce, they just have 30 percent less or whatever, and sitting 231. You just wonder what that thing with no drag. What those cars would do. Back in the day, I'm pretty sure Button took a BAR Formula One car to Bonneville. They did a um they did a Bonneville project where they took a, a British American racing car oh. out there. Button drove, I believe. I don't think it did anything spectacular, but it did I'd have to look it up. Two seventy, two eighty, something like that. But the idea of an F one car on Bonneville I thought was really cool. That is very cool. Um okay, so Brazil's next. What do we know about Brazil, the track? It always just delivers such good races. It really, really does. Like there's that long sweeping left-hander onto the straight where the pit wall is directly in front of their eyes and it Mm. creates overtaking, creates drama. The last half a dozen years, we've had so many great races there from Hamilton and title deciders. And we got a sprint. Oh, we have it's a sprint again. It's a sprint. Ah, Mm -hmm. wonderful. And Lewis historically has done well here. He had that awesome weekend, what, two years ago where he climb back up in the sprint mm. to get into a good starting position for the race and then won the race. Mm. You get so much overtaking. There's 
there's a lot of incident. There was there was the whole Hamilton Verstappen needle, wasn't there? After Hamilton came back in that race, where Hamilton was driving him off the road. So, I think those two are edging ever closer together again yeah, on the track. Yeah, so, yeah, I, awesome. I hope that resumes. That would be pretty cool if it does. Yeah, I know. It almost looked like a repeat of the of last week's race, where it was like, oh, is Hamilton because he got a free pit he played that right and then when he blew by Leclerc you're like oh does he have it in him again so yeah starting to burble a little bit I mean the car's just not there yet obviously and he would need and he just needs a little help like he needed the Ferraris to hold Max up for a couple laps he can't do it just the two of them he needs right. a little help but it's getting closer you're right yeah he's got to somehow sandbag himself a little bit Max yeah yeah. Maybe have a seven gin and tonics. Right. Maybe that's why he hasn't been qualifying that great, because maybe he's making like Friday night his rage night. He's like, I can go hard Friday night. Right. I need to only do five or six on Saturday night, you know, but then he's like, also, you've won everything. Well, I would be wanting to start fifth on the grid, you know, just to give myself a little excitement. When he, he pitted before everyone and he came back out in six and he was on hards and he was just fucking moving. Oh, and my he was God. Ripping through dudes. And I thought this has to be the most fun he has all day is yeah. when he's pit himself into sixth because he's just all these people you've seen fight other drivers and were hard to get around. Nobody was. I mean, he was just he was walking by people. Mm. He really was. It's ridiculous, isn't it? I think Lewis needs to give him um, a bottle of his non-alcoholic tequila, <gasps> yeah, but actually give him a real one. That's and the then, move, uh, <laughs> and then he'd be in DTs on Sunday. He'd be detoxing and shaky. <laughs> I, thought, I thought I was drinking tequila this whole time, and then he, that really fucked him up. <laughs> yeah. He woke up feeling great, and he just liking himself. He realized he doesn't need to win to be loved. Do we know if any teams are supposed I mean, at this point, I don't know what team is good no. at what anymore. It just doesn't seem predictable I at feel all. like all the upgrades are pretty much done, aren't they, now? Yeah. We're pretty close at the end of the season. Haas seemed to make a bit of a step. I thought I was going to get P10 for like I know. 25 laps or something, and then it just gradually went away from me. Um, Charlie had a but, really good shot as well. Like, Gasly was just hanging right around 11 the whole time. Mm -hmm. It was, it was oh, rough. Hulkenberg was in 10th for pretty much, what, the last 25 laps until five laps towards the end. Yes. And then his, his tires were done. I was so upset. Uh -huh. It was terrible. But I think they're all pretty much done. They're just doing little tweaks and developments now. So I'm sure Red Bull, feels like Red Bull, Mercedes, Ferrari and McLaren, you never quite know. But I think McLaren, I think Lando's going to win one. I've got a feeling Lando's going to win one before the end of the year. No well. Way. The crazy thing is, I thought, where was McLaren this weekend? Like, they were on this rise, and then they didn't really look that... They looked like a fifth-place team most of the weekend. And then the only thing that's consistent is that the Ferrari can only qualify and doesn't have race pace, which I just don't understand. I mean, I know they're saying the tires, but yeah. even when the tires are nearly close to being worn out, they still don't have the pace. Laps three through eight, they don't have pace. And their tires are always wearing out. Why are they on these one-stop strategies? <laughs> right, what? right. I know, it's hilarious. Yeah, it's it like, is. what are you... If any team... It's the same exact thing that happened last week. Yeah. Like, now we're doing two in a row. Uh-huh. What, what are you doing? Oh, uh, yeah. And that was their plan A, because it. we also noted that for the first time ever, Ferrari said, we're going to stick with plan A. Yes, on like lap 17, yeah. and we're yeah. like, they've never made it to 17 They don't even know what, lap, what plan A is anymore. <laughs> no, no, no. They don't even bother to learn it, because <laughs> they know it'll be out the window in three laps. I wonder if they get a cheat sheet, and they just skip down to F. Like, yes. we'll just start memorizing yeah. it. F down. <laughs> okay, so uh, let's pick P10. Uh, I'll go last. You'll go last. Okay. I'm going to go with Ricardo again. I'm going to go Yuki. 
There we go. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to come back angry. It looked like he was going to get it again this yeah. week for a while. I'm going to go back to my Alpine boys because they're oh, always yeah. close, aren't they? I'm going to take whichever one you don't. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to have... Well, you had Gasly this week, so I'll have Gasly. You have picked Alcon probably six times, haven't you? Yeah. Early on, I picked him a lot. Um, and he was... I think I've had a lot of ninth and 11th place finishes, it feels yeah, like. Or, or people who've been in 10th for ages and then come 15th when their tires fall off a cliff. But Alpine are just... That's about where they're at. They're just... Yeah. They're, even on a good weekend, they, they just don't look that good, do they? It's sort of depressing for them. All right. I'll uh, take Ocon then. Uh-huh. Tallest are, driver. Those are good picks. Those are, but I got. let's just take one second to applaud Matt. Matt has some kind of clairvoyancy with all this because... Botas has been out to sea forever. He's been 19th or 20th. Yeah. I've picked, picked him twice him. and he was 19th or 20th. And he was a real contender for 10th for most of the race. I, know. I was like, watch, Matt's going to do it He was it too again. high he, he, for some of it. He lost three. He had a bad start, which screwed up the whole thing. Mm. And then I don't know. Then the red car really screwed up both of them. Yeah. So I don't know. Well, where did he? Because he qualified pretty good too. Qualified great. Like I, I now top ten. I'm really kind of thinking I made a bad call with Yuki, but I think he's. <laughs> you think he's got Botas got one last point? Well, him. I want both of them to get in the points. Like I want to yeah. see another. Like I want them to get to seventh in the constructors because that's all they can really do this year. Yeah. Do you feel eternally connected to Botas since you've styled his hair? Yeah. Like yeah. I, I definitely. Yeah, for sure. And it's like, it's interesting when we go to all these tracks, like Botas holds an insane amount of records. Oh, yeah. We always yeah. forget about that. Fastest but like laps everywhere. Everywhere. Speeds. Yeah. Yeah. He was a good qualifier in that Mercedes. He would often out qualify Lewis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, man, we have been getting our fill. We had Austin straight into Mexico, now straight into Brazil. And then we'll have a little one week reprieve to, to rest up for Vegas. Oh, boy. Yes. Uh, and again, a reminder to email hello at F1. Hello at F1.com. Hello at F1.com, E-F-F-W-O-N.com. Give us Vegas stories. and Or any great story. Yeah, and I guess we'll have to announce the winners of that probably next episode or the following one at mm-hmm. the latest. Do we have um, any stories piling up? Yeah, what? we got like 200 of them in. Oh, oh wow. we do? Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Oh, wow. And also, I think people should know, I've seen a lot of rumors that like the whole thing was like, Vegas is going to be so expensive. It's going to be so expensive. And yes, there are expensive tickets. But now I'm starting to see more things where like things aren't as sold out because i think people were scared so like hotels and flights i think are getting a lot cheaper and even some tickets are a lot cheaper than first anticipated vegas does not sell out of hotel rooms no you know almost i mean come on yeah so i feel like if you're gonna blow a real lot of money going to a grand prix and you're a wealthy american i'd fly to monaco wouldn't you like that's you probably go to vegas five times a year or something already. Like, why wouldn't you go to Monaco and, and live it up big? Yeah, if I was going to dump a hundred grand on the experience, I would want to be in Monaco. Or Singapore. Singapore at the... That's right. The Grand Bay. Grand, the, the Marina Bay. The Marina, <laughs> Marina Bay. Bay. This One of the best you places you're ever going to stay. Uh, wanting to host us for next year. <laughs> They're dying to host us. And we, and we are so excited. That's a good conversation with David Beckham because he, I think... At least when I was there, he's a part owner in the club on the top floor. Oh, so maybe he can get us connected yeah, to Marina Bay. Comp us some rooms. Yeah. It's got to be comped. I'm buying Burberry stuff now, so I need everything mm. else comped. Yeah. I just want a <laughs> breakfast by that 
that rooftop pool. That's all I want. Oh. Yeah, I want to be in swimwear in the pool, looking at the race mm-hmm. oh, down below at the Marina Bay. At the Marina Bay, the world's greatest luxury hotel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love you guys! Uh, cannot wait for Brazil. The hits keep on coming. Uh, until next week, we encourage everybody to push, 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 push. <laughs> <laughs>